A food professor at Dalhousie University believes Stats Canada may be underestimating the rising cost of food. Here's Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. StatsCan uh, comes out with its uh, CPI report every month, and uh, we tend to rely on those numbers to have a better sense of what's, ac- what's actually happening. But a lot of consumers are puzzled by some of the numbers uh, in that report in relation to the food inflation or the food part of the CPI. And we've been, we've been concerned as well over the last several years, and so we've uh, we are now working with a company uh, which mines uh, data on the web, uh, looks at flyers all across the country on a daily basis, and we do uh, see major differences between uh, between what StatsCan is is suggesting uh, when it comes to higher food prices versus um, versus what uh, what BetterCart is actually suggesting uh, in at retail. So it's really. Uh, concerning uh, some staples like uh, pasta, for example, uh, butter, uh, other staples, uh, we're seeing some major differences. And then, of course, uh, a lot of collective agreements, uh, a lot of uh, salaries are, are often negotiated based on, on the CPI. And uh, if you go to a grocery store, it's costing you way more than what... Uh, the CPI is suggesting that's that's certainly a real problem for a lot of families. What are some possible reasons for the differences? I say that really, uh, we we believe that uh, that StatsCan's methodology is sound, but it's the way that they captured the data uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, things have severely intensified. Uh, prices are much more volatile than they used to be. Butter is a good example. Because of what happened earlier this year with Buttergate, uh, we knew that the cost of production for butter fat was going to go up uh, if uh, dairy farmers uh, were um, intending to to stop uh, using palmite, for example. So cost of production will go up, and eventually butter prices would go up. And that really happened within a matter of a few months. And so the CPI did capture some of it, but not all of it. So that's just one example and of course, with uh, produce, with meat products, uh, things are changing so quickly. We're not entirely convinced that uh, that uh, StatsCan's approach is capturing all the volatility happening in the marketplace. As you mentioned here, I guess package sizing that also plays into it. Absolutely. So the other aspect of of inflation is shrinkflation, quantities actually uh, being reduced while prices remain the same. We are concerned about the effects of shrinkflation, even though the StatsCan believes it actually looks into the matter very closely, 70% of its food basket uh, will have food products linked to quantities that don't exist anymore in a clean marketplace. So, again, to, to find evidence that they're actually monitoring shrinkflation is very difficult uh, to do. That was Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, food professor at Dalhousie University, talking about underestimating the rising cost of food. Continuing on today's Prairie Agwire, we're joined by John Hurd with Manitoba Agriculture, who talked about fall fertilizer. For many of your listeners there, they've come through a drought that they haven't experienced in, in decades. And so we're kind of unfamiliar with what that's going to leave the soil in, what kind of state, what type of uh, nutrient return there's going to be. And so that's the, the key thing is to find out if I didn't 
take the nutrients off in the crop, what's been left in the soil, what can I exploit the next year. And then the other whammy to that is, you know, I just called up my local fertilizer dealer and, and I'm able to get urea for, it works out to be about uh, uh, $910 a ton. So that's 90 cents per pound of nitrogen. That's that's pretty high, and if we can cut into those uh, expenses with some in-soil reserves, that's good news. Have you been hearing, are a lot more uh, farmers, are they getting soil tests done this year? Yes, yes. I think those the folks that uh, it's their, their expertise to take soil samples uh, with, with trucks, take them to two-foot samples, they've been quite busy getting over fields, doing analyses, and uh, we're fortunate. We, we do have a bit of a heads up as to, what those results are. And when we look at Manitoba, we have, in, in much of the area that was, uh, I say, drought-affected, uh, uh, parts of the southeast, Red River Valley and the Interlake area, over 30% of the samples are coming back with 100 pounds or more of nitrogen. So considerable savings there for the 2022 crop if we can put those nutrients to good use. What's uh, fertilizer availability uh, like? I haven't heard any problems with availability. It's just that I'm sure that uh, the sticker shock is there. I don't think it's a, a surprise. People have maybe been aware of been hearing that fertilizer prices are, are very strong. And that is the, I guess, the, the message for farmers is, is how can I best make use of the reserves that I have? So, we, we'd expect that uh, those that sample, they'll be making alternate plans for uh, uh, crops, or at least to reduce some of the nitrogen applications, perhaps. Uh, one of the challenges, Corey, has been that uh, growers been getting these high values back and wondering, can I grow soybeans successfully when I have that much nitrogen? Uh, 15, 20 years ago, when we were seeing soybeans coming for the first time through this area, High levels of soil nitrogen really uh, challenged nodulation. They reduced the number of nodules per root, and then at, towards the end of the year would leave the crop short. So we were cautious about putting soybeans on high nitrogen soils. Not so much anymore now that we've built up a good uh, reserve or supply of native uh, rhizobium in the soil. They're bed, maybe better able to tolerate these high levels. The other thing high nitrogen levels do in the soil is that they increase our risk of the iron chlorosis. So growers would want to make sure that they are selecting a variety with good tolerance. And then I guess there's a third thing really should bring people's attention to is that based on the soils we have and how dry it's been, uh, we are, are very wary of herbicide carryover residues. Uh, some of the companies have been fairly upfront in suggesting that uh, rotations may need to be altered this next year. And so there's a number of factors that are going to affect people's uh, rotation plans. You know, herbicides they use, the amount of nitrogen carried over that's there, etc. That was John Hurd with Manitoba Agriculture. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network.